Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks like giant size Pez. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with us today is a very special guest host movie buddy. It's wild. It's it's baffling that it's taken more than a year to have you on the podcast, but it's my 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 very, very, very good friend, my best man, my or I was your best man, my brother in law, Matt Theodosis. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Yeah. Glad to be here. You excited? I am. You nervous? I am excited. Um, you can't, there's literally no way not, to screw this not up. Not terribly, no. Like, no. unless you say something terribly racist or sexist <laughs> or, or something that will, like, ruin your, like, personal life. I'm going to keep this very PC. There's no way. <laughs> hey, we say some weird shit on here every now and then. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have you on now. Originally, we were going to have my sister, your wife, Leah Theodosis mm-hmm. on as well, but she's, she's battling a, a case of the strep throat. She's got the black Correct. lung. Correct. So we kept her out of our of our, of our palatial recording studios because I don't I don't need that shit in my life. <laughs> um, but the whole reason we were having I thought it would be a good theme because number one, our our good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn, is on paternity leave. He's he's welcomed a second child into this world. We're just letting we're just letting him do this, I guess. I, I don't know why. And so so he's off. He's taking care of the child and the wife and the other child and the dog. But also like Ant Man, which is what we're here to talk about, has a very fam f- familial family kind of theme. You know, it's about the team. It's about the family. So I thought that that would have been a good you know kind of theme to have family in here to talk about. She it. ruined it. But instead, I have you. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. We're, we are, we're on the third Marvel movie of the year. The last Marvel movie of the year. We get no more Marvel movies from now until next March. March. Yeah. Yeah. When we get Captain Marvel, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but we had Black Panther, we had Infinity War, and then we had Ant-Man and the Wasp. And that's, I think, uh, one of the things that I'm going to have to teach myself to say more and more is because... This movie is as much about the Wasp, if not more so about the Wasp, than it is technically about Ant-Man. But how did you feel like when the first movie came out, it came out on the heels of uh, Age of Ultron. Um, and the way that the, the, so, you know, we did the whole free refills series and we recapped all of the Marvel movies yeah. on this podcast, right? If you haven't listened to that, you should definitely go check it out. But one of the big things that we we recognize is there's always a pattern. And there was a pattern in that the first phase was like five movies. It was Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor, and then Avengers. And then phase one was over. And then phase two had a little bit more. But instead of ending on Avengers, it had Avengers Age of Ultron. And then technically it ended, phase two ended on Ant-Man. With Ant-Man. Interesting. Now we're in phase three. And we're we're having a, the Infinity War, and then two movies, and then the fourth Avengers before Phase Three is quote unquote over. And so one of the things to me was how one of or at least going back to that original Ant Man, like where does that fall on the spectrum for you in terms of Marvel films? Like to me, and and I mean we we'll probably have to pull up a list of all of them, all the MCU films. Um, ranked or something. How some does nonsense. it rank? Yeah, I guess. You know, how does it rank? How how does it uh, 
how does it compare? I mean, if you really, really think about it, um, I think that I think it's hard to compare. I think that's compare right Ant Man to anything else. <laughs> well, I think it's hard to compare the standalone films, or not even standalone, but the individual films with the Avengers films too. Yeah. So the, it's like you almost have to rank those. The Avengers films are kind on of on on their own plane, but at the same time, like I would venture to say that. Captain America Unless Winter like, Soldier yeah. is better than Age of Ultron. Yeah. You know, Ant-Man, I guess to me, has always fallen pretty square in the middle. Probably near the low end. I but feel that's like not because it's bad. It's got a similar feel to Spider-Man. Yep. It's a little more it's, playful. It, yeah, it's a little more playful, smaller scale. No um, pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. And it's not dealing with the... Yeah, it's not dealing with the grander events of the Avengers. Yeah, or, 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 or anything in that regard. I mean, the first Ant-Man was... Obviously, we you know, when we talked about this, it was a, a heist film that was going to be made by Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright ended up mm-hmm. le- leaving. Peyton Reed ended up coming on. It was, it was, at the time, easily... I mean, if you look at the lists, aside from Guardians of the Galaxy, it was the most comedic-leaning... Of the films. Oh, absolutely. Because you had all the Iron Mans, all the Thors, all the Captain Americas, and then you had Guardians, which was a year before Ant-Man. And that was obviously very funny. Yeah. Uh, But Ant-Man, I felt, really leaned into the comedy a lot. And the scale, as we said, wasn't that big. He was, they're trying to steal the Yellow Jacket device Mm -hmm. from Cross. You know, there's potential that, oh, if the Yellow Jacket gets out, it could lead to a new world war or anything. But really, like, you're just taking on one company... And one suit. Yeah. And it really was, as a lot of people described it after Age of Ultron, a palate cleanser. Yeah, exactly. I think when they when it comes to the characters that are more human and weaker in a sense, you need something else to kind of like balance that out. So sure. you have humor to balance it out. Mm-hmm. That's why you, you have humor in the Thor films and you have humor. Yeah, in, but they're not but they're comedies. Not, yeah, you... You have more – it's a bigger scale. He's more powerful. You have this kind of fish-out-of-water mentality with Ant-Man. Right. Where, Same with Spider-Man. Where he's just a regular guy. Yeah. He isn't the guy who developed this technology like a Tony Stark. Yeah, he's not a scientist. They're not super-powered. Well, Spider-Man is super-powered, but he's just yeah. a kid. Yeah. Um, Captain America is somebody – like, he was a soldier. He was trained. Mm-hmm. Thor was, is, a, is an alien god who grew up – training to be a warrior and being yeah. royalty. Iron Man is a genius billionaire He's playboy a philanthropist. Ton of things, yeah. Um and the guard you know, the Guardians are all their various forms of, you know, Peter Quill has been a pirate his entire life. Yeah. Drax has been built to destroy Thanos. Gamora has been trained by Thanos. Like these guys are skilled people. Yeah. And with Scott Lang, you have Hank Pym, who is the scientist, but he's can't do it anymore yeah it's taking a toll on him so they bring in scott lang who has a certain set of skills he's the thief he's the the burglar you know he's got those types of skills that pair pair well i guess to use a culinary term they pair well with what ant-man's superpowers are even though they're not superpowers i don't know what to call them abilities they're not superpowers he's in a suit it's like iron man it is. It's like Iron Man. Um, it is. It's just you could easily make Ant Man into a TV series. Oh yeah, with Ant-Man how would be a great practical 
It is. For the most part. I mean, they really, and we'll talk about how they really take advantage of their shrinking and their growing in this one. Um, But kind of going along with that, like, does Ant-Man, and again, we're not getting into spoilers here, but do you think that he serves, I think he serves a larger purpose. I think when we get into spoilers a little bit. There's yeah. some stuff in here that's going to connect to the larger output of life. But the, but this movie, by no means, this movie, if anything, is even smaller than the first one, only in the, mm-hmm. only in the sense of stakes. Yeah. Like, in the first one, they, like, they were trying to stop the guy from, you know, selling the yellow jacket suit. Fine. This one, they're just trying to get Janet Van Dyne, Hope's, Hope's mother, the Wasp's mother, out of the the... The microverse, or I, I forget what they call it. I think they yeah. call it the, the um, quantum realm. The quantum realm, yeah, because they just yes. put the quantum, the word quantum, the quantum realm. Yeah, I think that that's really the the biggest um, issue in the whole. Like, that's the biggest. What am I trying to say? That's the conflict. Yeah, that's the biggest conflict. There's a bunch of minor conflicts in this film. There's a bunch of mini conflicts because you have ghosts. Yeah. Who is this interesting character who can phase in and out of walls and 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 matter and things like that? And they're after quantum power for yeah. a certain reason. You have Sonny Birch, the arms dealer, who's after it for a certain reason. You have Scott needing to uh he's got three days left on his parole mm-hmm. or, or his probation. So he's trying not to get caught by the FBI. So there's all these small uh, conflicts. Yeah. But there is no big, I have to save the world. I have to stop this guy from destroying this country. I have to stop this weapon. Like, there's none of that. And I think that that's refreshing. Yeah. I think that that Ant-Man serves a purpose, number one, in the, the way that these films are laid out as that palate cleanser. Um, yeah, those those smaller conflicts just serve as kind of distractions. Yeah. In a way. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is. It's very refreshing. And I think it does matter because it's building that world. It's building that universe. It it's, gives it's additional showing, depth, even though it's yeah, small. It's showing that there are things happening outside of the Avengers battles. Sure. There's a full world, a full universe mm-hmm. of characters coming in and out, whether it's Thor coming out, in and out, or Hulk, or Guardians. Sure. Ant-Man has not been... He's I say Spider-Man a lot, but he's kind of on that level where he's been involved mm-hmm. with Cap, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing. Sure. But he's also in his own world. He's not an Avenger, per right, se. Like he's, he's doing his thing. So he's in his own world. And, he's in San Francisco. And like your, like your sister was saying, um, would he have known about what's going on with everybody else? Sure. And I said not necessarily because he doesn't have direct links. He's not – right. In some huge office with all the he's technology. He's not getting text yeah. messages. He's yeah. not getting like – he's not on the Avengers Slack channel. Yeah. He's <laughs> just a regular guy that got called in to help. Right. And now he's back to Suffering his – Suffering the consequences. Yeah. Now he's back to his real world, real mm-hmm. life on a very human scale, a very everyman scale. Right. But I think it matters because it's showing the after effects of Civil War – True. Showing the Which is really good because that was two years ago in 2016, yeah. Yeah. and we're still seeing I love ramifications. That, of I that. love that it shows that because everything that happened with Shield 
you can't just kind of dismiss that now that no. Infinity Wars is going on, and it's like, oh, that. Especially okay, in the movies, yeah. they really, really sh- like dismiss it in the television shows, like Luke yeah. Cage and all that. They don't talk shit about that. Like yeah. they give passing reference, but in the films, it's important to keep bringing up yeah. the Sokovia Accords. Like yeah. those are real things. That's yeah. a real hurdle. Like that was, and that was a big, a big deal in Infinity Wars. And I, I feel like showing this depth to it and showing that it's affecting. Um, his character mm-hmm. and the FBI and mm-hmm. it's not just it's kind of like you feel like in, in in the Avengers movies that they're kind of existing in their own world and sure. everybody else outside of it like if we were in Phoenix at that time right and all that was going on we'd right. just be like mm, reading the news oh cool whatever oh, cool. you know sure. like you have to show like there's something some connection sure which is why i like and we won't talk about it in detail here but it's why i like the second post credit scene so much because um a lot of people are dismissing that it's like oh it's not worth but there are little touches in that second post credit sequence that i i think build up mm-hmm. do very very small things to build that world um i think the big bigger thing you know obviously we've been talking about scott lang and paul rudd and and how it affects his life but you know it's called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. The Wasp was, as as, to, as Kevin Feige put it, she is a founding member of the Avengers. She was one of the first people on the first Avengers cover. And so finally, they have literally all of the original Avengers from the comic books on screen as, you know, as their film counterparts. Yeah. Um, and this is, emotionally speaking, 100% the van dines it's hank's movie and it's hook yeah. van dines movie um and i i don't know if i would go so far as to say this is the first female-led marvel movie although emotionally speaking i think it most definitely is because the stakes are there for if they fail that's on them like scott will feel bad yeah if we can't pull janet out of the quantum realm which is that's the plot of the movie so there's no spoilers yeah. there um Scott's like gonna, you know, well, it's that's that sucks. Yeah, you know, but he's not emotionally invested. I feel like, but hope is. I feel like you bring him back more because he was, he is the face of that original film. Well, he's the new. Ant-Man. He's the new Ant Man. He's still, Douglas couldn't do it. Yeah, well, he's still the he's still the face, and this was a good way of bringing him on for familiarity sure um and he's still continuing on his legacy but like could they have maybe just made this like the wasp film and have ant-man be like the hulk in i think Thor? they could have like maybe i think they could have they didn't but maybe it's I not that far she off. could have easily carried that film sure um he was he did act a lot like just the comedic relief sure well he's not the professional he's not the professional but he also plays it's funny because he is a good mix of the lead character Mm -hmm. but also that comedic relief yeah and he's also like he's the everyman yeah so he's the audience's um surrogate essentially but he's not just him or louise he's not just the goof (laughs) No, that so would that's, be Luis. So that's the good part is he's not just like he can obviously carry a film himself. Sure. But 
I do believe that she could yeah, carry and, on. And the best part about all of these films is that, you know, with with Thor and with Doctor Strange and with the guard, I mean, literally all of these films are built around their ensembles, even yeah. though Iron Man is just about Tony Stark. There's an ensemble there. There's Happy Hogan. There's Pepper Potts. There's an ensemble there. Thor. There's um, Odin. There's or there was the Warriors Three. Like there's an ensemble there. Uh, you go to Captain America. You got fucking Bucky. You got Black Widow's always popping in there. You know things like that. There's an ensemble, and the ensemble for Ant Man and the Wasp is very very strong. Um. Evangeline Lilly's crushes it. Mm-hmm. She's good. Just to talk about like performances yeah. for a little bit. Everybody's great. Um, everybody's great. Uh, Evangeline Lilly's fantastic. She's it's good. Good to see her making that leap into from from Lost and that you know from that good television yeah, yeah. to film leap. At least for right now, she's getting that Marvel money, which is really good. I don't know that she's op- she can open a movie on outside of Marvel. But she's she she's got the she got that Lord of the Rings money for being in the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. She's getting that Marvel money now, and she's great as the Watch. She's badass. She I, she's kicking people's asses left and right in this movie, and it's just like, yeah, that's good. It it's funny because I feel like you could either close that story because essentially they have what they want. Yeah, for her the most and her part. father. That's really what their whole life has been revolved around right. was that storyline right and so you could technically close that out sure but they've set her up so much as uh force in yeah. that character's universe in ant-man's universe that it'd be kind of a waste to well absolutely but and, and, and i mean the same thing is that ant-man's good but ant-man doesn't stand toe-to-toe with people and get in fist fights with them no you know, he uses a combination of his powers and his his skill to like run up the barrel of a gun and sure. then flip the guy with with by grabbing his tie, but that's use of his powers. There are parts in this film where Wasp is full size, just fucking karate oh, the yeah. shit out Absolutely. of people, and and that's great. She's great. Um, I really liked how good Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer were. I was I really got that emotion out of them. I thought that their scenes together were really really well done. Yeah, I feel like when you Try to in- introduce characters that are older actors. Right. Um, Second movie in. They're not the yeah, whole movie. Yeah. And they're supposed to play an emotional part. A lot of times they kind of miss. It's hard to connect. It's, it's hard, hard to, to connect. And it's, it's kind of like you you realize these big act. You know who these big actors are. Sure. You, um, you recognize them. And it's hard to see them in that character. Sure. I mean, obviously – he was in the first one, so they introduced him and built that. And they introduced line. the conflict. Yeah. At the in the first one, yeah. which is I think what makes this one work. Well, yeah, they introduced they introduced the lead up to the idea that she disappeared yeah, in the quantum exactly. realm and that he feels guilty about it and that that's why he didn't let Hope be the wasp. Yeah. And there's there was a really emotional crux in that first film where he finally tells her what happened to her mother. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be very emotional. And the same is true here. Um, I found all of, I don't know, maybe it's because it's a family thing. I don't know. There's a great payoff but in I've, this one. But I found it to be really, really emotional. Um, not like I'm crying, but like, oh, it got me. Yeah. Like, yo, you son of a bitch, you got me. 
Um, so I enjoyed that. I thought I thought that did that really really well. Um, I like all the little. I mean, all one of the things Ant Man, particularly the first film, but this one does really well is all the side characters. Like Michael Pena is the MVP. He's so good. He's so fucking funny that it's amazing when you see him in like End of Watch. Like I love that Michael Pena can be light. He's he's lighthearted in pretty much anything that he's in, but he was in like the 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 horse the 12 soldiers the 12 horses or whatever that movie was called he was in that he was in end of watch and he's super funny in this like he's a he's an actor that could easily i feel like he could carry his own film if given sure the right film sure because he can do what he was in crash right he was in crash he was in crash he's played those emotional roles absolutely but also played the very comedic he was role. Also in I mean, chips. he can do he can do pretty much anything. I haven't seen him in an action. Well, chips. I haven't seen chips. But. He does some action in this. Yeah, but but Pena's great. Um, the whole I mean, the whole cast is pretty pretty excellent. Um, I FBI really, agent. I really liked Randall Park as, yes, as FBI, FBI agent. Uh, Jimmy Woo. Um, he again is somebody who. This movie's really funny. This might be, and I know that we keep saying this about like, you know, like Thor Ragnarok was like the funniest Marvel movie mm-hmm. or Spider-Man Homecoming was super funny or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is really funny. I'd venture to say that this might be Marvel's funniest movie. Like it's close. Thor Ragnarok's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. But this film, with all the li- like, think about every side character. Yeah, they all have funny shit. They all to have do. a moment. They all have a funny At moment least or a one good moment. moment. Whether it be Jimmy Woo, whether it be uh, a freak, the two freaking guys, uh, Dave and Kurt, yeah. the Baba Yaga, like <laughs> running jokes. There's like 17 <laughs> running great, jokes yeah. in this film, and then not to mention, you know, you're getting you're getting Hannah John Kamen as Ghost, who's an interesting antagonist. Um, at least from terms, uh, from a perspective terms of things, and from like a powers terms of things, like that's she's yeah. interesting. Lawrence Fishburne, like Lawrence Fishburne exists in the same universe that Captain America exists now. Like, think about that. I know. You know, I love thinking about that kind of shit. Like, you get you get Jeff Goldblum, Lawrence Fishburne, Kate Blanchett, Tommy Lee Jones. Like, they all exist in this universe. Put them all into one. Put them all into one screen, side character yeah. film. Um, so yeah, so I had a, I had a really good time with this film. Um, I, w- I do want to give it a rating system. I kind of want to go through the rating system before we get into spoilers here. But for those of you who've never listened before, we rate the um, we rate our movies based on popcorns, uh, and it's kind of different than just stars. Um, it's it's. There's more to it than that. And the fact of the matter is, is that we love movies plain and simple. Um, and so we have five popcorn ratings. Matt, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Dave and I have been talking about this for a number of times. We don't have okay. a half a popcorn rating. But we've been considering adding in like a soda. That's a half a star. So like it would be like a microwave popcorn and a half and a, and a soda, which is three and a half essentially. Um, but they all stand for something. Okay. Starting with burnt popcorn. Burnt popcorn is the lowest rating you can get. It's the yeah. worst of the worst. The movie's garbage. Um, we're not talking that slightly burnt popcorn because slightly burnt popcorn is pretty good. 
It's just like you shouldn't waste a single second on it. And sure. that happens very, very rarely on the popcorn diet, mostly because we pick the movies that we want to see. And a lot yeah. of times we, we know what we like. So we don't really get the burnt popcorn that often. We got the stale popcorn. That's your backup stash of popcorn at best. That's the movie that like you're not going to go to the theater for. If you want to rent it, if you want to red box it, or if you want to wait for show up on Netflix, that's fine. It's stale popcorn. Don't buy it. Um, then we got microwave popcorn. Microwave popcorn's perfectly fine. You know, it's it's not the king of the ring. It's not the best, but it's a decent choice. You know, in a pinch, it stands for a decent movie. Uh, you could find worse ways to spend your time in the theater, um, but there are probably going to be more re- rewarding movies out there than something that we rate as microwave popcorn. Movie theater popcorn, that's your four stars. That's your, you know, you should go definitely see it on the big screen at some point. Do you got to rush out and see it right now? No, probably not. But if it's if it's reasonably good in terms of big screen appeal, then you should check it out. Um, and then the last one is Perfect Popcorn. And Perfect Popcorn is honestly not all that rare because that's the movie you should go out and see right now. Like that's as as the popcorn diet. We are, you you've listened to the podcast before. Mm-hmm. We love movies. Very rarely do we find a movie that we hate. I mean, even David, who didn't care for like Fallen Kingdom, we still gave that microwave popcorn. He still gave that a microwave popcorn and a and a, and a soda essentially. So he he gave that microwave popcorn, but not theater worthy. Right. And I gave that theater popcorn, but not perfect popcorn. Interesting. Yes. I feel like, oh, I won't go into. We're not going to debate David's. <laughs> I won't go We're not going to debate his standings today. <laughs> um, but so, yeah. So perfect popcorn represents one of the best movies of the year. It's, it's, an, it's a must see. Get out there and see it right now. All right. So that's our rating system. And for me, I'm giving this movie theater popcorn. I think. Every Marvel movie, and again, you know, yeah. maybe this maybe this dilutes our rating system a little bit, but right now Marvel is churning out content at at a quality and at a rate that's never been seen before, and they are essentially doing long form storytelling and making a TV show out of movies, where every movie is a new chapter in their story, and if you are interested at all in being a part of that story, then it would behoove you to go see every chapter that's being told. And so that's why I give Ant-Man and the Wasp movie theater popcorn. It ain't perfect. It's, it is smaller scale. We didn't even talk about Walton Goggins yet. Who's one of my favorite guys, but he's not as underutilized here as he is in Tomb Raider, but he's not full Goggins here, which is disappointing. Um, I don't think there are any wasted characters though. That's true. There I don't think it's it's too diluted with characters. No. I think it's perfect. I think it's they got all the serve their amount. purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's where it stands for me is movie theater popcorn. It's a lot of fun. It's a good palate cleanser. It moves away from some of the tectonic world universe shifting stuff that, that the MCU is leaning towards right now. Um, but it's a great time. If you like the first Ant-Man, you'll like this one. If you like the Marvel films, I can't imagine you won't like this movie. That's my stance on it. What about you? I agree. I feel like with the rating system, you have to think about what what looks good on what looks good in the theater. Sure. Um, these these movies were made for the big screen. Absolutely. I feel like it would lose so much 
by seeing it for the first time on your um, TV, on TV at home. Or your, or if, I or feel like that's computer. why so many people are like under, on your phone on yeah. an airplane. I feel like that's why so many people are so underwhelmed by big blockbuster movies because the majority of people see it for the first time on a small screen. Sure. I feel like if more people went out and saw a Jurassic World or a Mission Impossible or a Marvel film sure. on the big screen, it's like I, I I don't know what to compare it to, but I feel like you're more fully immersed. Absolutely. And it makes you more excited just in general than oh, hey, I can pause it and go and get something from the fridge. Right. And, like, you never fully engage. Well, I think you should see every movie on the big screen, but there are some movies that can, frankly, wait. You know, like, I, yeah. like if it's even if it's a small drama, like Manchester <clears throat> by the Sea. Yeah. All right? You should go see Manchester by the Sea on the big screen. You should go support film even if it's not big explosions, because that movie is emotionally gripping. Um, or even a film like Call Me By Your Name. That movie is a gorgeous-looking movie. The cinematography is amazing in it. Is it a small character piece? Absolutely. There's no explosions. There's no fucking dinosaurs or, or giant men or whatever. But, like, it's a gorgeous film, and it should be seen on the big screen. This movie, same thing. <laughs> It's it's got explosions. It's got different. Yeah. It's got different things that make it valuable on the big screen. So, but but then again, every once in a while, you come into movies that are just like, you know, yeah, it's fine. It's good. And now maybe if you don't want to spend like the full price on seeing it, like the the weekend it comes out, you could add between microwaved and theater. You add dollar theater. Well, that's kind of where theater like and dollar theater is. is like. Hey, it's been out for. A month and a half. Yeah. And you still really want to see it on a big screen. Yeah. But you either A, didn't Save have it. enough like time. Yeah, you didn't have enough time <laughs> or whatever. And you still want to see it on the big yeah, screen. Yeah, that's kind of microwave popcorn too. Yeah. Like it's nothing near the best. You could find better ways to spend time in the theater. But like, yeah. you know, relax and enjoy it. So that's that's usually where my – like for example, the I think – the last Pacific Rim got microwaved and the last Tomb Raider got microwaved. Although I might I might go back and adjust those. But like those are big enough movies with big enough like action that you should definitely see them on the big screen. Yeah. But in terms of story, like they're just not that rewarding. Yeah. You know? Um so yeah. So that's that's where we're at with that. So we're both rating it. Movie theater popcorn. Movie theater popcorn. Movie theater popcorn. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into spoilers, I want to remind everybody that you can listen to this podcast. You can subscribe to it for free wherever you're listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be the new podcast tool that that they just launched for Android, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, literally wherever you listen to podcasts. Do us a favor and subscribe, like, give us a rating. Share us with your friends, your family. If you know somebody who loves movies, let them know about us. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And then also, um, all of our reviews, all of our latest episodes can be found on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But now we're going to get into spoilers. Now we have we don't have to tiptoe around things. We can actually you know, talk about our favorite scenes and our, and our, and our favorite moments. And, and for me, I think... This film really uses the shrinking and the growing to its, like, maximum advantage. Like, they throw in that wrinkle of his suit isn't working right. 
So literally, like, one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie is in the school when he's stuck at, like, three and a half feet tall. <laughs> and he's pretending to be a kid. Like, that's hilarious to me. Like that, And that's something that, like, you don't see in a Marvel yeah. movie. You don't get that entire sequence there. Um, I absolutely love that. I thought it was hilarious. I feel like in a bigger Marvel film, that would have been cut out. Yeah, it would have been. You know, it would have it, been ridiculous. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. Um, everything that I mean, I mean, everything that they do is really, really funny. Um, but the entire car chase at the end is re- like it's an extended chase. That's all that it is. It's a chase to go get the thing from the guy. So not only do you have the chase, but you have the ticking clock mechanism in the fact that. Hank Pym is in the quantum realm and he's only got a certain amount of time that he can be in there. So Sonny Birch grabs the lab. Like, I love that. Like you have several ticking clocks running at the same time. Not only are we trying to get the lab, but then you have ghosts trying to get the lab. And I just really liked how all of those smaller, um, what did I call them? Conflicts end up, rolling into a big spaghetti ball of conflict at the end. And I just think that that's smart, creative storytelling. There's so many different dimensions to the last chase scene with all the different characters Mm -hmm. and all the conflicts that it's amazing that the writing all... Like to put it to, to put that all together, you have Ant Man, yeah, who's stuck having his own issues, who's stuck with a bro- yeah. busted regulator. Yeah. You have Wasp doing her thing. You have Luis, who's in the van. You have a growing shrinking van. Then you have the Hot Wheels car. You have the FBI. You have, you have the have... FBI running to yeah. get after them. You have so all these people. different things, and it really comes together really, really yeah. effectively. Um, I really like that. I also loved. The like I we were talking about how they had these little jokes that kept going throughout the film. The true serum bit is fantastic. They they tie up all these bits so perfectly. Yeah. At the end, where it's just like that kind of cherry on top where they didn't need to. Right. Because they already had the action. They already had right the moments, but the continuity with it. All yeah, the way you, through. you set that you have that whole um, you have that whole true serum bit where they're arguing about it before they inject Louise yeah. with it. And it's like and that kind of sounds like true serum. It's not true serum. True serum doesn't exist. Like it makes you. Yeah. What did he say? More agreeable. And he's like, that sounds like true serum. <laughs> and then they inject him and he and he asks and he goes off on his. Yeah. his rant, which is a really great way of bringing back that part from the first movie in a natural way that fit in with the storytelling. And then at the very end, they pay it off because those, those bad guys were then injected with that same serum. And the one guy who was arguing about before is just, Oh my God, it is true serum. It's a great payoff. Like it's great comedy payoff. Um, I do have a question for you though, which is how do you feel about the villains of this movie? And also, who do you identify as the villains of this movie? Because this movie does some interesting things with antagonists and villains. And I think that that's a very important distinction to make. But I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Because you have several antagonists. Yeah. You have Ghost. Sure. You have Bill Foster. Lawrence Fishburne turns out to be in league with Ghost. So, yeah, somewhat. You have Sonny Birch and his crew who I would argue is the actual villain of the film. And then you have the FBI, who's another antagonist. 
So you have all of these antagonists, but there's really only one villain, and it's the shitty arms dealer. Yeah. Is that the same thought that you had? How, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's better? Do you think that's worse? You know, do you I... Think, do you think that was effective? I think Ghost... Uh, they... they she could have been a villain. She, It's hard to tell because she didn't really go to that level. Right. But she was willing to. Sure. But she had a moral, she had a moral guide. She, she did, and she had the help of Lawrence Fishburne's character. Yeah, who is the moral guide. Who is the moral guide. Um, I like that they didn't go full dark with him. He didn't go – he wasn't – I'm the bad guy. Completely, yeah, he didn't completely backstab. Yeah, they didn't. Him. They did that shit in the first Iron Man. Yeah, like yeah. we can do, exactly. We can do things differently. That could have been though. exactly the same. Right. But he came in, and it was more of this like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a good guy. Right. It I, just comes yeah. at. It just comes, it comes as a, a direct. It's bad timing. It's a direct conflict with what our heroes yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think the arms dealers are definitely. If you're going as, if you're doing like a black and white, good and evil. Yeah, like that's the question. Like, you like go, good and evil. The arms dealers are absolutely. Every single one of Marvel's films, the, you can answer yeah. who the bad guy is. Every single one of them, except for so no, even civil, okay. even fucking Civil War. Spider Man. It's not who's the bad guy in Spider Man. It's definitely the Vulture. Okay. Like there's he has and David and I have gotten into this conversation. He has interesting and legitimate motivations he absolutely does but he is a straight up like murderer <clears throat> he tries to kill spider-man okay like he'll stop at nothing like he isn't he is still so a legitimate villain so that's where him and He's ghost a, differ yes where where ghost doesn't cross that line yes she could on multiple in multiple instances, she could cross that line sure. and, and just she suggests shit. Yeah. She says, I'm gonna she's got a, he's got a daughter. Let's fucking get his family. And Bill Foster's just like, I won't be a part of that. Yeah. Like they are antagonists who have a moral compass. Not a not a twisted moral compass, an actual moral compass that aligns with our heroes. Um, except that their goal, like I said, directly conflicts with what our heroes need to get. Now as far as Marvel Marvel villains in general. I yes. think does Mar Go it, ahead. I, I think it's finish. tough to say there's an issue they're not in this instance they're not strong formidable like in this villain. Film? Yeah. Oh, it's not, it's at not all. strong formidable villains, but this is a weaker entry in terms it's of It's enough to ruin their plan though. And that's all you need. I think in this instance you don't need an all-powerful villain right. to ruin everything for them. Like, you just need a pain in the ass. Yeah, you just need a pain in the ass that will because the end result is the same, whether it's a, a powerful character or not. Right. If they stop them from the goal of getting her mother, that's all you. That's, that's an all you need. Villain, like they're preventing the goal. I think it would have been lopsided if you had someone bigger. I think I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like you just need a villain who gets in the way of the hero's goal. And in the case, like you look at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, you look mm -hmm. at Ego, like he wanted to take over the universe. You look at you look at Hela from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. She wants to rule Asgard and then take out the universe. You look at um, Baron Zemo from Civil War. 
he doesn't want to kill a bunch of people. He just wants to destroy the Avengers from within, and he's willing to kill people yeah. to get to that point um, kind of thing. With Ant-Man and the Wasp, you got Sonny Birch played by Walton Goggins, who is one of my favorite actors out there. He's fucking great in Justified, on The Shield. He's great in everything. He was a bad guy in Tomb Raider this year, super underutilized. Just He just was a very soft-spoken villain in that film. In this film, he gets to be a little more Goggins, yeah. which I appreciate. He gets to be a little flashier. He gets to be a little more charming, but also like, you know, just kind of like, oh, this guy's bad news. He's also not the main antagonist and not the main villain, so he couldn't go full. Right. Well, he's Goggins. not the main antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's most. A, oh, the he's the most villain like. He's the yeah, villain, a, a, but the main antagonist yeah. is Ghost. Yeah. Um, and that's just, again, I think that that I think it's really interesting that Marvel, um, especially in its first two phases, had villain issues um, because most superhero movies beforehand, it was all about making the villains flashy. Yeah. Right? Like all the previous Batman films. Mm-hmm. It's all about what villain is he fighting. Yeah. The previous Spider-Man films. Oh, he's got Green Goblin. Now he's got Doc Ock. And now he's got Venom and Sandman. Like, it was all about the new villains. That's this why is, this is perfect. These movies are yeah. so much less focused on who are they going to fight next and more about what is the conflict that they have to um, face and who is the best villain to represent or throw a wrench into that conflict. Yeah. And that's what Sonny Birch is. Like, he's an arms dealer. He's a shithead. He's a pain in the ass. Um, and he works for other people. Like there are possibly other worse people out there who want that technology, other buyers that he keeps talking about. Um, but yeah, like the main goal again is to pull out Janet Van Dyne. That's it. Yeah. We need to save Janet Van Dyne from the quantum realm. That's it. They, they fit everyone within the scope of the film. Yeah. So the villains, the heroes, the general scope of the film was very small small and it was small but it worked perfectly you can't bring in a thanos to this small you can't bring in any of those other you can't reintroduce another villain from an avengers film and bring him in to fight ant-man and the wasp like it just doesn't work and i think it's a great break to bring in this little storyline off to the side yep like i would parallel which we haven't even talked about i would have a hundred of those little parallel storylines going on everywhere without going full tv with it because what you said it builds the world yeah it builds builds the the universe universe. yeah absolutely this is existing in san francisco which is why spider-man was so good because it's just this little story it builds queens with yeah within the whole universe you have this going on here if you put up a whole map I would love to of see. where they are in their conflicts and a timeline. Like yeah. it's they're fully fleshing it out. Right. Most of it you got Malibu from yeah. Iron Man. You got New Mexico for <laughs> Thor. Yeah. You got San Francisco for Ant Man. And you don't need to have Hawkeye show up and no. like oh we, but we a need Hawkeye a- movie set in Montana like. Would be, mountain, would be great, mountain, but you don't uh, need him. River. You don't need him coming in and being like, "Okay, well, we do have one Avenger in here to make it legit." You sure. know, like. But I just wrote your solo Hawkeye movie. Like, yeah. imagine a solo Hawkeye movie where he's in like the snowy mountains and it's basically Rambo and he's got to like 
somebody's kidnapped and he's got to go get him. Absolutely. That would be dope as hell for a Hawkeye movie. Where's Hawkeye been this time? He's chilling with his family probably. Like Until this happens. Well, that's kind of the last thing I want to talk about, which is where this film fits in the timeline. A lot of people were asking that, you know, where does Ant-Man fit in the timeline? And, and it runs parallel. Yeah. Um, it runs parallel to Infinity War. Everything that's happening here, this this hap- this movie happens over the course of three days. Yeah. That's it. Three days. Um, and during those three days, like, there's all the shit that's happening in space in Infinity War. It's the culmination of, it's like the l- end of. Right. Because remember, in Infinity War, there wasn't a lot of shit that happened on Earth. The Black Order came and landed in New York. And then, like, a day later... It's really, like, the end of it, yeah. Yeah, like, a day later, they're in Wakanda. Yeah. And Thanos snaps his fingers. And and so this movie runs parallel to that. Where I would, I would love to see if there are other, like... Because I didn't see him the first time. And maybe if I didn't see him the first time, then I doubt that they're there. But I would love to see if there's like a news story in the background that's like crazy shit in New York. And you just see it sitting there somewhere. You know? Like they had in, in, in Iron Man 2 where they had the news reports of what was happening with the Incredible Hulk running in the background. Yeah. You know, there could... There I don't, could be. There I didn't could see be, But I don't think that really... It happens... This movie happened so quickly and the end of... That film happened so quickly sure. that I feel like it would absolutely be easy for him and those characters to just miss. Like, sure, you could say, oh, why didn't they call him? Like, they need all the help they can get. Right. Well, and but it's they because, already said it in Infinity War. Yeah. Like, they cut a deal. They're out. Well, and it it happened so quickly. It's not like, yes. it's not like he's Ant-Man sitting there. I mean, he, he was. Texting with fucking But he, he's not in there just, like, watching the news, you know? Right. Right. Uh, he's – these are coinciding when he's literally fighting all these people throughout San Francisco. Right. He has no time to be like, oh, what's going on in Wakanda? What's going on in blah, blah, blah? He's, sure. He's a little busy. No. Yeah, he's – Well, he's under house arrest, so he most definitely could be checking those things out. But he doesn't have the technology. He he doesn't have – Hank and and Hope have been MIA for two years. All of that. Um, But that leads to the the last part of this film, which are the post-credit sequences, Mm -hmm. which is where after they get Janet out and after Janet heals Ghost – they're now they're allies now. You know, we did the right thing. We we although it feels a little like deuce s machina, like, oh, of course, she's got superpowers that can heal, heal the ghost now. Isn't that convenient? Um, regardless, I thought they were going to go more scientific with no, that. Like, she's just got oh, she's a scientist. Now. She can. She's a brilliant scientist. If you let her out, she can help you. No. As opposed to just like I'm gonna touch your face. Like, yeah, yeah you're and you're OK. You're good. Whatever. Um, but I they s- tie that in at the end where they like go to retrieve. Right. We got to go into the quantum realm and we got to get more quantum mm-hmm. energy. So we're sending Ant-Man into the quantum realm. We're radioing bad, it in. Bad idea. I got the quantum energy, guys. Pull me out. Hello. 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 Cuts to the outside. And they've turned to ash. Yeah. All three of them, Hank, Pym, Janet Van Dyne, and the Wasp are turned to ash, which there are several content. There are several big things about this. Number one, Ant-Man is still currently trapped in the quantum Mm -hmm. realm. Number two, uh, 
Janet Van Dyne, I have to imagine that this is put in purposefully, but says, like, don't go into a time vortex. Like, there ain't no fucking way that they said time vortex without pulling that in for Avengers 4 as a possibility of how they can, you know, solve the solve the problem, right? So there's all of that. Because he was in a different he was in a different realm, yep. so he's untouchable. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, even if too. even if the snap took him out, I don't I just think he just got avoided. Yeah. Regardless of wherever he was, yeah, yeah. I just think the snap didn't get didn't him. Get him. Um, so there's that. So they're disintegrated. He's stuck in the quantum realm. So this kind of leaves it on a big cliffhanger along with Infinity War. Yeah. Like, because now the next Avengers movie is going to answer what happened to Ant-Man, too. So that's really creative. And then the other... Which is funny because I feel like everyone would just assume, well, he's gone, too. Which makes him even more screwed. Ooh, that's interesting. Because everybody's just going to assume he disintegrated with everyone right, else. Right, they're not going to know he's stuck he's, in the quantum realm. Unless you have Lawrence Fishburne's character. Yeah, you don't he's know literally, if he survived or I feel like or he's literally survived. the only one who would have the knowledge specifically. Of how to pull him out. Of how to pull him out and to even know that he would be in that. Well, and, and the other thing is in Ant-Man's defense, like he got out of the quantum realm himself the first movie. So... There's that. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna have to watch. We're gonna have to wait till Avengers yeah. four. But the other one, I know this is not really, you know, that big of a deal. Um, but I really liked the end of the film. Is uh, they cut to? They actually show it in the trailers, which makes it kind of stupid. But it's the ant playing the drum kit, mm-hmm. right? And that's the last st- teaser or uh, stinger, if you will, post credit sequence. Um, and so what I liked about that though, is how the emergency broadcasts were going off on the television. Do you remember that? I don't remember. So it's, it was literally like a beep Uh and the color bars and everything, the emergency broadcast like was, was off and, and going off and whatever. And I really liked that. I just was like, that's a small glimpse into how the world is dealing with Thanos' snap. It Brings it full circle. It's going to be fascinating to see. We Again, we still have till next May for the next Avengers film. But you pair the end sequence of that film where Nick Fury and Maria Hill are standing in the streets and yeah. like helicopters are crashing and shit is going down. And then you pair the Ant-Man. Like, so what you do is you watch the end of both of those films back to back just well, yeah. to see – like you don't even have to watch the whole thing. You watch. That's the closest the last, the last, glimpse yeah, that we're getting yeah. into a world, like a full world view. Well, that's why I think Avengers four, and we're we'll we'll end this before we get too far into it. But I think Avengers four, we're gonna get a time jump. I think we're gonna Avengers four is gonna open up like four or five years later, and it's gonna be like the world dealing with this massive kind thing post apocalyptic. What would be really interesting is if they have to answer the question, like, what if five years later, everybody's doing pretty good? And the Avengers know. And it worked. And it worked. But the Avengers know that half the life in the universe was taken out. Like, is it worth fixing? Is it worth bringing those people back? 
versus the 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 relative peace and prosperity that I mean everyone happening. would know it wouldn't just be the Avengers everyone would know that something happened yeah but they wouldn't know that it was Thanos who snapped his fingers there's only no, like well yeah they hand, would know something they, unless the Avengers held a fucking press conference they would know something happened yeah right exactly. they would know that roughly you know they could call it the rapture they could call yeah. it the events they could call it the singularity yeah. Whatever. But they what if they were it. the only ones that knew that this is what happened? And right. if there was a chance to go back and fix it, right? Is it? But worth it, it actually worked, and is Thanos was it? right. Right. This is the right thing to do. That's an interesting conflict. As I hit my microphone, so that's something to that think is about. interesting. So before we wrap up, I, and I know I'm kind of springing this on you, but do you have anything that you want to plug? Do you have anything that you you uh, your Instagram, your business, you're doing your Tremaine Ranch, your Tremaine events, and so I want to give I want to give you the opportunity to tell people what you're doing and where they can follow you and and all that kind of to, stuff to plug our very non movie related. Um, Absolutely. Well, I mean, the only thing I really have to plug is uh, people can like movies. And Leah and I own Tremaine Ranch or Tremaine Events, which is on Instagram as Tremaine Ranch, T-R-E-M-A-I-N-E Ranch. Um, we do event rentals for everything from dinners to weddings to baby showers, baby showers bridal showers, birthdays. You guys have a very specific style, kind of rustic. Yeah, we're, we're all specialty rentals, so stuff you don't normally find at a big box. Mm-hmm furniture rental company so if you're interested in furniture rentals for events tremaineranch.com nice cool man yeah how do you feel you feel good you feel like I feel you good this up? i mean i feel like we could talk for another hour yeah so. we could that's but good. that's nobody wants so that. part two yeah we'll do part <laughs> two well we might depending on how david's paternity leave goes we might have you next week to talk about the future president of the united states dwayne the rock johnson i would be all i've been following that one pretty closely so we I got we say. got skyscraper coming yeah. up but uh but regardless thanks for coming on it's much appreciated thanks for having me uh as always as i mentioned before follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram at the popcorn diet Go to popcorndietpodcast.com for all of our latest episodes and reviews. And and like, rate, subscribe. Wherever you're listening to us, do us a favor and be a subscriber. You'll get new episodes almost every week unless David has a kid at like 10.30 p.m. on a Friday night. And then we can't do an episode that week. And it happens. It's okay. But regardless, for Greek Mystique here, Matt Theodosis, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diet. Adios.